thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who can eat hot pizza without burning the roof of his mouth, <laughs> Mike Van de Bogart. Uh, thank you, Joe, and uh, good job on remembering your own name. I know. This time. It was that, and uh, <laughs> that that introduction actually came from a longtime fan of ours, a fan, not fam, fan of ours, Albert Stoner. And yes, that's his real name. Okay. And it's funny because he's from Colorado and he was a fan of ours when the legalization happened and I thought it was a fake name. His family actually sent the hilarious video that we posted early on where he tried remembering our intro. They're walking to the park and he was like, for thousands of centuries, the people have been losing in the woods. Like it was all (laughs) wrong. So he he uh, sent a private message asking if we could do that. So cool. Uh, this could kick off a whole uh, suggestion box for what to call yes. Mike Van de Bogart. So cool. Right. Well, I uh, thank you to all of our loyal listeners for uh, tuning in. Just a few updates. Uh, we only have one new patron shout out, Allison Spencer. Uh, thank you to Allison. But Joe and I are sad. don't don't don't. That's we got a we got a patron person. We do. You got to be positive. No, we are positive. Thank you, Allison. We but, just got so accustomed to being like four or five. We're sad. So <laughs> we're just so sad. So uh, you want to help the show out? Head over to our Patreon account uh, for as little as five dollars now. Sadly, inflation has even hit locations unknown. So the one dollar <laughs> tier is no longer available um, for new people. So, but for only five dollars a month, that's like. A a gallon, a yes. Starbucks, Starbucks. A Starbucks a day is that much. Yeah, so you can help the show out. Joe and I are trying to get to CrimeCon next year, so every dollar helps, and we're also trying to find a studio. So um, we have a patron anniversary. We're going to do these every episode. So thank you to Kate Tha- uh, Thackeray, who joined back in August of 2020 and is still a Patreon member. So Yay, Kate Thackeray. Thank you. Also, we have an episode suggestion. Shout out to Michelle Duxbury. Uh, she's recommended a couple cases that we've used so thank you michelle you emailed us in july about this one uh this case we did cover briefly in an episode on the pacific crest trail back over two years ago but we didn't go into any of the detail that we're going to go to in this one so um and finally if you want to uh, call the show you can call 208-391-6913 and leave a funny voicemail yell at us about something um, compliment us. That's a great way to get it. That is 208-391-6913. There you go. So call the show and just a couple episodes coming up. We're going to do a fun one here soon on some Bigfoot stuff. Do you like Do you like my new mug with a black bear on it? I do. Did one of your kids make that for you? Yep. yep. <laughs> I thought so. And it's white. I don't know why it's white if it's a black bear. Well, it should, it's a polar bear. I know. I'm joking because oh, okay. we don't know anything about bears and we get bear That's stuff. True. That was that was an inside joke for someone who's That's just not listening a brown to show. bear. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're gonna do a fun episode coming up here soon on Bigfoot stuff, 
And we have part four of our Gwen Hasselquist uh, series coming up here probably next episode or two. I'd say next episode. Probably next episode. We'll do next episode. Yeah, so... We'll, you, get, we'll get Andy back in the studio and, and do uh, one of our other interviews. Yes, yeah, so you don't want to miss that. Um, other than that, Joe, do you have any any updates or comments? I do not. This last line, are we talking about that right here? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a mystery for everybody. Yes. All right, everybody. Let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. March 22nd, 2017, a man attempting to through-hike the Pacific Crest Trail heading north from Campo, California, stopped to rest in a local town near the trail, only a couple weeks after starting his journey. He rested for a couple days and set off again, never to be seen. Join us this week as we investigate the disappearance of David O'Sullivan. The Pacific Crush Trail, or for short PCT, if you've heard it, which is officially designated the Pacific Crest National Scenic Trail, uh, is over 2,653 miles long and is aligned with the highest portions of the Cascade and Sierra Nevada mountain ranges. And I'll just say, um, for those that have been listening to our show for a long time, we you may hear a little bit of, you know, information about the trail from our old episode, but there's a lot of new stuff in here. I know uh, someone yelled at us once. They they said we just reuse old content, which we don't, but... Well, we kind of do, but keep in mind, people are just discovering the show and they might not listen to the old episodes. Well, and there's only so many ways you can say the PCT is over 2,600 miles yeah, long. I, and we're, we're going to keep doing it because that's what we do. That's <laughs> how we do the show. There's a lot of new stuff in the location profile, though. Yep. Those people can start their own show where they talk about new information about the PCT. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, we might have some repeats. All right. Sorry Uh, for the the interruption. No, that's fine. Uh, The town where David went missing near Idlewild, California. So that's just to give a general idea of anyone who's familiar with the PCT or lives in Southern California. uh, That's the area he went missing around. So the trail is generally 100 to 150 miles east of the Pacific Ocean and starts just south of Campo, California, near the U.S.-Mexico border, and terminates on the Canadian-U.S. border on the edge of Manning Park in British Columbia. Famous sections of the trail include the John Muir Trail, the Sonora Pass, Sky Lakes Wilderness, Donner Pass, and Badger Flat to Little Willow Lake. The PCT passes through seven national parks, including Mount Rainier National Park, Yosemite National Park and Crater Lake National Park. We've done episodes on all of those places. We have. Joe actually was on <coughs> national TV talking about Crater. That is National that Park. is true. Yes. It was on The Unexplained with William Shatner. Our old friend the Shatner. Yes. <laughs> um it's a, the PCT was conceived by Clinton Churchill 
Clark in 1932. It was designated a National Scenic Trail in 1968 and was officially completed in 1993. The PCT is also part of the 6,875-mile Great Western Loop. Visitors per year. In 2019, over 7,888 permits were issued, 4,748 northbound thru-hikes, now, a thru-hike is when you're going to do the entire thing in one sh- in one trip. Yep. Uh, 693 southbound thru-hikes, 2,437 section hikes. That's where you are just doing little pieces at a time. So people will travel the entire length of the PCT, but over many years. So they'll come and maybe do, you know, 10% of it one year. The next year, come back and do the other 10%. Well, and they also have, I don't remember the exact names, but they, they break it up in the five sections. So you've got like your... Southern California section, the Sierra Nevada section, and so on. Ooh, we should not figure that out. And then the <laughs> next time we do a PCT episode, we'll talk about the five sections. Okay. So we'll repeat some information and always add more new stuff to keep angry people still angry, but a little less. Okay. Uh, as like of it. 2022, a total of 8,539 people have completed the trail and 105 have done it more than once. This data is not 100% accurate per the PCTA.org, but represents their best guess. Yeah, so they don't um, they don't super closely track, you know, who's on the trail, who's completed it, but they're relying on the logs and yeah, the permits. Yeah, they, they have a pretty good guess of how many people have completed it, how many have done it multiple times, so. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, things you should know before you hike the PCT. Uh, and obviously there's more than just these. This, there is, is, this isn't the full Over a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> these are ones that kind of just uh, struck my fancy. Yes. <laughs> if you come to a cache or hashtag trail magic, be courteous to those behind you and don't take everything. So these are little buckets or things that have little trinkets or stuff you might need for the trail. Don't loot the whole thing. Don't be a pig. Yeah. Don't loot the whole cache. <laughs> Maybe even leave something if you don't need it. Uh, make sure you know if slash when there are fire restrictions. Those tickets are no joke, and neither are the fires, especially in California. Yeah. If you see pink or red snow, it's because there's algae growing, uh, and don't eat it because the algae is a laxative. And from all of my time hiking, uh, a laxative is not a good thing no. when you're out in the wild. And I... I <laughs> I mean, people will be people, but I don't know if I ever saw algae and was like, hmm, maybe I'll try some. Here's this strange pink snow. Let me eat some yeah, of it. Know, right? Yeah, no, maybe not. <laughs> uh, you cannot legally enter the U.S. from Canada via the trail. I, 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 I would have guessed that. But actually, you know, we had that trouble with people in Montana, remember? The, Glacier. Yes. Yeah, they didn't think you could. Completely change our trip. Uh, water caches. They are for drinking only. No bathing or washing your stuff. Yeah. People will be mad. Uh, DEET will destroy your sunglasses and synthetic fabrics if you are not careful. This is a big one, just not even for the PCT, for any type of camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will melt your plastic. Yeah. Use DEET-free if you're going to use insect spray at all. It can put holes in your tent uh, and just destroy everything. Yeah. Uh, Verizon has the best cell coverage on the trail, including the top of Mount Whitney. Let's see. Many of the towns in Northern California are in the valleys that you need to descend into and climb out of. So good stopping points. That's a good recommendation. Uh, If you see like a, you know, you don't want to stop at every town because you're going to be spending a lot of extra energy than getting out of the valley. Oh, Oh, like you uh, could avoid the entire valley if you skip past the town? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to stop at these towns. You could keep going. But a lot of hikers stop 
you know, periodically to breast overnight or whatever, restock. All right. The PCT midpoint is in Northern California, just south of Chester. Uh, Treat water caches as if they don't exist because there's always a chance there will be none when you arrive. And we know that very well. Yes. The soonest you can lose your bear canister after the Sierra is Bridgeport for North Bounders and Lone Pine for South Bounders. In Northern California, assume everything is poison oak. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Can you imagine uh, getting that far, like probably several months into the trip, and then just getting poison oak all over you for like your last last (laughs) leg? It would be awful. Yeah. Uh, Southern Oregon is one of the least liked sections on the trail. (laughs) It's just plain and boring. Yeah, I mean, from what I've read, I haven't done most of the trail. Obviously, I've I've hit the trail at spots and parks, but the Sierra Nevada range is supposed to be the the most amazing part of the PCT. Sure, I could see that. Yeah. All right, so some of the climate. Obviously, this is going to range depending on where you are along the trail because you're going through almost every type of climate you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, It ranges from desert heat to high alpine hiking, requiring crampons and micro spikes in certain spots. So you're going from desert to mountains, you know, not not fast, but but over the course of time, yeah. Uh, From April to September, temps range from the low 32s to high of 86 Desert temps can easily pass 100 degrees Fahrenheit during the day and drop down to 50 degrees Fahrenheit at night. Mid-April to early May is widely considered the best time to begin the sweet spot when you have the best chance of hitting mountains that aren't too snowy and deserts that aren't too hot. Expect to encounter almost every weather condition from rain, snow, drought, high winds, and even fires on your PCT trek. The terrain. The PCT ranges in elevation but tops out at 13,153 feet at the Forester Pass in the Sierra Nevada range. That's probably why it's the most beautiful. You can see everything from up there. Yeah. Uh, the types of animals. Uh, it traverses the habitat of 50 species of amphibians, 315 species of birds, 175 species of mammals, and 75 species of reptiles. So we are marmots, squirrels, chipmunks, rats, mice, Eight species of venomous snake. That is the Western Diamondback, Sidewinder, Speckled Rattlesnake, Red Diamond Rattlesnake, Southern Pacific Rattlesnake, the Great Basin Rattlesnake, the Mojave Rattlesnake, Black Bears, Mountain Lions, and the worst and scariest of all, cows. People underestimate cows. They're always just staring, plotting. They'll get you. We're familiar with cows around uh, where we live coming (laughs) from Wisconsin, so lots of dairy farms. Absolutely. Yes. Grizzly bears... Talking about bears. Bears. Brown bears. Yes, there are still technically grizzly bears, also known as brown bears, on the PCT. Your chances of coming across one are slim to none. It is estimated that around 1,500 grizzlies can still be found in the lower 48 states. And when you apply that to the Pacific Crest Trail, the number drops to approximately 10 to 20 bears. Yes. So you can come across them, but very rare. Very rare. Uh, bugs, you're going to deal with mosquitoes, scorpions, uh, the sting won't kill you, but it is very painful. I actually know this cause I was stung by a scorpion <laughs> in the arm and it is not fun. No, uh, ticks are a big issue. They can carry Lyme's disease, Rocky mountain spotted fever. And then there are bees. Anyone who, uh, wants to see what a scorpion bite looks like. I can't remember the guy's name on YouTube, but just go to YouTube and type in, uh, 
man bit by scorpion and there's a guy on YouTube that just goes around getting bit by the worst things on the planet and then films it. Oh, like that's his job? Yeah, that's but his But like YouTube he's channel. not getting paid for it unless well, but, sure but through making, views. He's probably making millions on YouTube from it, but he's I've watched his channel and he's been bit by like the worst spiders, scorpions, snakes. I have like heart problems at like How old is he? How old is this person? <laughs> he's young. He's like He's got to be young. That's the dumbest us. thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so you got to check the channel out. I if I remember the name, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a guy's crazy. Yep. And he's been stung by scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah. He's like the antithesis of Steve Irwin. Yeah. He just goes out of his way oh, to, he's, be, he's to like be bitten and stung. He's backcountry jackass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That that makes more sense now. Yeah. All right. Terrain. Uh, as we said, desert, high alpine. Mountains are similar to the Ozarks or the Great Smoky Mountains. Except in the Sierra Nevadas. Except there. It's more. What would that What would that be more like? The Rockies? I, yeah. Just more aggressive? Yeah. Okay. Uh, exposure risk is high on the PCT, uh, especially in the southern end when hiking through the desert and in the alpine section in the Sierra Nevada. So you have dehydration in the desert section. We talk about this. Staying hydrated is very, very crucial to your survival and having as good of a time as you can while hiking through the desert. Yes. And hikers can go as far as 25 miles without encountering a water source. So uh, ration your water. So Yeah, you can only absorb, what was it like... A couple ounces every half hour? What? I, I can't remember you, the number. but Yeah, you said the stat, and it wasn't a ton. So you don't need to chug your water, ration your water when you're in the desert. Yeah, just try to drink a couple uh, ounces every 30 minutes. or yeah, uh, You can find that information on the, the National Park Service. That's where I found it. Yeah, if you don't know at least that fact, you are not ready to hike the PCT. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On average, it takes most hikers around five months to complete the trail. But some elite athletes have completed it in as little as two months. Those who can achieve PCT completion in three or less months average over 30 miles a day. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. We've done that, but then, like, you're I'm spent. One I can't do that every day continuously. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I've learned in researching the PCT is that a lot of people have never done it before overpack. And as they're doing it, they see people passing them. Or they'll get to a spot and it took them five days to get there and someone just showed up after two days. So, and they, they kind of learn along the way, like, okay, you don't need all this stuff. Travel light. You have supply stops mm-hmm. along the way. Um, so that, that's it's like kinda, that lady that wrote that book that Reese Witherspoon played in the movie. Oh yeah. It's, they yeah, call it's her in gr- your notes here. They called her the green monster or whatever. All right, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right. Uh, know how to navigate. So that's these are thing. safety tips on... Yeah staying safe in the pct yeah you gotta know how to navigate the pct is not a blazed trail and may remain under snow much of the year users should be proficient in backcountry navigation and travel with the appropriate topographical maps as well as a compass so that's you know whenever you're in a national park and there's easily groomed trails yeah it's because they'll groom those for visitors if you go backcountry you'll have trails that are groomed because people walk on them their section is this, that the only people walking on them are through hikers. I would say that any if anyone is planning to do backcountry hiking and doesn't already know how to do this, go buy a cheap compass and go to like a local park near where you live and learn how to use a compass. Because even if you have a GPS, the batteries could die. You could drop it in water. Oh, yeah. I um, always have a compass. A compass, it will never Good go. compasses are like $40. Yeah. Like a really good one. And you, they'll never go bad. I mean, unless you break it, and you will, if you have a map, <laughs> unless, you break unless you, like, break it. In the, they're hard to break, though. Yeah, if you have a map and a compass, 
you can more than likely figure your way out of whatever you know situation you got into yeah but compasses you gotta, now come with those little flip cards they even tell you how to use it and how yeah. to navigate so. but you just just go out in a park near your house and kind of get comfortable using a compass mm-hmm. i think anyone who goes backcountry hiking should at a minimum not use a compass yeah absolutely so uh and you can buy the national geographic maps we always get those yeah, they're, they're like waterproof. waterproof you can write on them with yeah. like markers that you can wipe away if you want to yep um, but just plan your trip. Know the area, the weather, the terrain, your limitations. A little common sense. I know common sense isn't always so common, <laughs> no. but it can ensure you have a safe and enjoyable trip. Yes. Uh, leave a copy of your itinerary with a responsible person. Yep. Travel with a companion where at all possible. I know on the PCT, a lot of people go solo. Yeah. Um, you can't get many people probably in your friend group that want to do five months of hiking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or could even like take a five-month vacation yeah exactly like if you can it's always better to travel with a companion yep absolutely uh be aware of your natural hazards in the environment be cautious and alert uh for falling snags which are like dead trees along the trail and campsites and picnic areas avoid camping in areas with large numbers of dead trees always whenever i'm out in the backcountry and we're setting up camp i'm always looking around like i will not put my tent up under like a tree if it has you, if, if I can get a spot that's not under a tree, I'll do that. I know. And people, I think, purposely do because they feel like it's protection. Like, yeah. no, a tree will fall on you and kill you. Yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it it's sounds, rare. It sounds rare, but it does happen. It people does. have been killed in their tents when a branch has fallen off a tree. So I always look out and yeah. try to camp in a site that has no trees over Or it. they're, like, leaning away. You yeah. go on the, the I don't know, is the leeward side or wayward or side? Or, like, I don't a... Know. You know, if they're like pine type trees, you're probably okay. It's we're we're talking more like old growth, like oak and yeah. trees like pines that. can bend like crazy <laughs> and not break. All right, uh, avoid bare ridge tops, exposed places, lone trees, streams, and rocks during lightning storms. Find shelter in densely forested areas at lower elevations. Even in the summer, exposure to wind and rain can result in hypothermia. Think before you drink. This one's really important. Yes. No matter how clean or pure the stream water looks, it's likely to contain waterborne parasites and microorganisms that can cause discomfort and sometimes serious illness. Uh, You do not want Giardia. Pack your water in, filter it, or purify it with chemical treatment. Yeah. If I mean, people sometimes think, oh, it's just diarrhea. Uh, If you're... Doing that, you're losing way more water than you'd normally lose, and you can become dehydrated. Very quickly. Dehydrated. Dehydrated. Especially if you're in the desert sections of the PCT, you do not want to have diarrhea. (laughs) Um, So if you listen to the first episode we did in the PCT, uh, you'll learn more about the, the entire route. So this is kind of the cliff notes for the first 697 miles. So this is the stretch that David would have done. And he didn't make it all that way. He only yeah. obviously made it to Idlewild. Yeah, he was like a, what, a week or two in. A couple weeks in. Yeah, so the PCT begins in the low hill near, near Campo. Uh, elevation, 2,915 feet. It's a small town near the next Mexican border. Um, it then passes through Lake uh, Morena County Park, tunnels beneath Interstate 8, and climbs through Chaparral, Scrub Oak and Pines to the rim of Laguna Mountains. The trail dips into the Anza Borrego Desert State Tra- Desert State Park at Scissor Crossing and then winds through the San Felipe Hills and Lesser Mountains of the Cleveland National Forest before crossing Highway 74 at 4900 feet and climbing the backbone of the San Jacinto Mountains. Jacinto or Jacinto? Jacinto. 
I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna put it in the translate. Put it in the translate. I'm doing it. I feel like uh, this is that bit on SNL where uh, the the Californians where they just like talking about their roads. <laughs> like, how'd you get here, Stuart? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I took the forty five up to the town. Like what are you doing here? San Jacinto Mountains. Jan- San Jacinto. Jan- San Jacinto. There Jacinto. you go. So um, this. I think is roughly the spot where David was last seen. We'll get into the timeline more, but he was in Idlewild, which is right near the San Jacinto Mountains. Yeah, I'm going to probably skip some. This just goes in depth into exactly what it is, and most people, like, I don't know where this stuff is. Yeah, so... um, It's around Southern California and goes around (laughs) lots of places. (laughs) Uh, Well, then I will jump right in. Yeah, go go to character. Here, we'll say this one thing. Trail slide water is often scarce in the section that he was at, particularly in summer when the temperature ranges the 80s to low 100s. Yeah, so while I'm kind of going into character profile, Joe will start pulling up uh, the PCT on uh, Google Earth here. Yes. So uh, the subject of this case is David uh, O'Sullivan. He went missing on April 7th of 2017. He was from... uh, Middleton, Ireland, which is in the southwest uh, portion of Ireland. He was a male, age 25. He was born August 8th, or he was born August 29th of 1991. He was <clears throat> 5 foot 10 inches, 154 pounds. He had brown hair, blue eyes. Uh, he wore glasses and he had a very heavy Irish accent. He was traveling with very little technology, no cell phone, no GPS device to navigate. Uh, He did not have a rescue beacon to help in the case of an emergency. He did have a Kindle, but he had the wrong adapter, so it wasn't working. Uh, His personality, um, people mentioned that his trail name was the Leprechaun. Uh, He completed degrees in English and philosophy at the University College Cork. His trail name was the Leprechaun? Yeah. It's kind of a cool trail name. Uh, He was inspired to walk the PCT after reading the book Wild from Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail, which was published in 2012. That's the Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah, the book inspired the Witherspoon movie Wild in 2014, which I have not seen. It's a good movie. Is it actually a good movie? It's a great movie about someone who had no business doing the PCT but learned along the way. Oh. Like just kind of went into it. It does sound kind of good. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, So his occupation... Like we said, he was pretty fresh out of college. He did work at a local gas station for about a year in Ireland before doing the PCT just to save up money to go on this trip. So his experience in the wilderness, he was as novice a hiker as they come, but he did spend a lot of time preparing for the trip. He would regularly regularly hike the highest peak in Ireland, which um, only at 3,400 feet, carrying weights. Uh, he even transformed his parents' garage into a mini gym, and he was also a black belt in karate. But, you know, he's doing the right stuff by training, but nothing prepares you for hiking in the Sierra Nevadas. Um, nothing prepares you for you needing to use, you know, crampons or micro spikes. Uh, yeah, you can't karate chop your way through the mountains. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I mean... You can. You can. You're just going to wear yourself out faster. No, so I think what I'm trying to get at here is that he he trained, so he... That's better than most. It's better than most. He he, you know, he physically trained. That's a good portion of training is be, just being physically fit enough to do these hikes. So he did that, but he didn't really 
you know, you didn't really get the experience of alpine hiking or even desert hiking. Honest, obviously, it would have been much better if you would have taken a few hiking trips to the U.S. first before attempting the PCT. Maybe do a desert hike, go to Utah. Yeah, totally do some, agree. Do some alpine hiking. There's so many things you learn in just doing it because you can prepare all you want and you run into issues. Or like, do it like you said, break up. It, break it into sections and do mm-hmm. like one section every couple of years. Oh, you'd learn so much just doing your first section. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately he did not do that. And I, I think a lot of his, you know, not being prepared for a lot of that kind of stuff factored into his disappearance. Uh, so before we go in the timeline, Joe is going to give a shout out to this episode sponsor. Oh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I was looking, I was searching for PCT facts. Oh, Here we go. All right. Mike, our next partner, has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, as many of you know, I got into competitive chess boxing and bog snorkeling and was feeling slow and sluggish on training days. I was taking more supplements than I could count. Nothing was helping. Helping. You got me all tripped up. <laughs> One of the fighters at my gym recommended Athletic Greens AG1 daily health drink, and I've never felt better. One scoop of AG1 in the morning has me ready to take on Chuck Norris by the time I get to the gym. One serving of AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens that support better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. These are all the things very important in the world of competitive sports and fighting Chuck Norris. <laughs> Best of all, it costs less than $3 a day, which from my own experience is cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. For less than a cup of Starbucks, you can make an investment in your own health that I can personally vouch for. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. That is E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate Daily nutritional insurance. So nice edit there, Mike. That was hilarious. <laughs> Those are real sports. I uh, uh, chess boxing. Chess boxing. Well, I'll show you. Like you like do a chess move and then punch someone in the face. You're playing chess and then there's boxing in between. Like uh, no joke. Like when you take somebody's <laughs> like pawn down or like bishop or then you fight. So it's <laughs> it's actually really funny. Um, uh oh, I've been signed out. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's what, you get, that's what you get for bringing up chess boxing. Um, why don't you, Page Joe, 10. <clears throat> why don't you talk about uh, the trail here you're looking at on Google Maps while I try to get yeah. back Yeah, well, in. I was pulling it up on all trails. I'm going to throw that up here because I wanted to see if they had this kind of breaks it down into the full sections. And it's really cool. If you guys go on alltrails.com and search it, it'll show you all the sections. And there are people that have either done the sections or done the whole trail rate it, talk about their experience. Um, Allison Okamara uh, is showing us pretty much her entire hike. Yeah, she goes through each day. I love all trails. It gives, like, real personal experience, What the, and it shows you the date they went on it, too, so you know what the weather was like and all that other stuff. Did your whole computer shut down? No, I just got logged out of our show notes. Oh, weird. 
It's your internet. No, it's not. <laughs> we need a studio. I yeah, we do. Um, I wonder I, if my kids all started playing video games at the same time. I do love all trails as well. I've uh, checked it out many times before going on. You know, one of our many hikes. I loved it because that one. Well, the the one we uh, during the Maroon Bells episode. Yes, they had comments of people that went on the same trail like a day before and a day after. So they're talking about the conditions and they talked about the weather a lot. So you have basically firsthand knowledge of what happened during uh, that disappearance, which I think is really kind of a neat way to really speculate less about what was going on and and figure out what it was like during the time where that person went missing. All right. So I'm back in. All right. Sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty here. Yep. Um, Okay. So this all kind of... I think it was a user error. No, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um. This all kind of starts back in 2016 through March of 2017. David had told his parents late in 2016 that he planned to hike the PCT. Uh, As you can imagine, his parents were not too thrilled about hearing this. Obviously, he has no experience really in hiking. Um, But he basically had already started training by the time he told them. Uh, He trained, obviously, in Ireland, but nothing there could prepare him for, you know, alpine hiking, especially hiking with snow, using crampons, microspikes, etc. And it was uh, unfortunate that David, when he got his permit, he got an early season start on March 22nd, 2017. This basically ensured that he was going to encounter some snow on the trail, and sure enough, he does. Um, and they do this for the PCT to minimize the environmental impact of thousands of hikers, you know, going down this trail. So they don't allow more than 50 hikers per day to start at the southern end of the trail because that is the most popular way to hike it is to go south to north. Um, and yeah, you wouldn't want to end in the desert. And if you look at, like. if you go to that uh, PacificCrestTrail.org website you don't have to joe but i'm just saying it to the listeners um you can see on the the, they have a chart of how many uh hikers have done the pct over the last 10 20 years and right around when that movie wild came out uh the kind of number of people that were trying the pct exploded and this also coincided with um rescue missions (laughs) no uh there was a year-long drought so oh, the PCT hikers who had been um, reporting on the internet of conditions of their trips in recent years, it was over a year long drought, um, reported that it was very dry, not a lot of snow. And David, when he was preparing and training for the, the hike, used the, a lot of these reports and assumed that it was uh, going to be pretty dry. And the drought actually ended uh, in 2017 so he encountered a lot more moisture, rain, and snow on his hike. And you'll see in the emails that he sent back to his family that he wasn't expecting this. So um, kind of an interesting um, you know, tidbit of you, you can do all the research and then um, you think it's going to be dry. And then the year you go, the drought ends and it, the conditions completely change. Um, so and David actually knew that the Sierra Nevada – section had received heavy snowfall and that he wasn't equipped for it. So he planned a strategy that through hikers call flip-flopping. This is skipping over the Sierra portion of the trail initially, 
then returning later when enough ice and snow has melted for him to feel safe passing it. That's smart. Yeah. So he had planned to do that, but um, we'll, we'll see that he probably didn't. So uh, it's now March 20th of 2017. David left Ireland for the PCT. He arrives uh, for the first day of the hike on March 22nd. Oh, you've got the chart up now. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, it shows so far, 2022, only three people have completed. Well, I, uh, I guess. Ravioli, Black Squatch. <laughs> That's his trail name is oh, Black. Oh, those are the trail names. Yeah, Black Squatch. Black Squatch. Yeah, what's up, and Cat Mando. Cat Mando. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. They break it down by year by how many people completed. What are some of the other trail names? I'm I'm just going to name any off of here. Ones. Let's see here. There's a lot. <laughs> this one's just Eric. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> any other uh, any other good ones? Orca Sugar Free. Sugar Free. Oh, that's definitely got a story. Fat Peanut. Bird person. Bird person. Uh, crunchy bean. Now, you remember, everyone listen, you got to be given a trail name. Yeah, you can't make these up. So you this can't. is like something about the caboost. <laughs> All right, well. Speed goat. Speed goat. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, so he starts the his PCT hike on March 22nd of 2017. Like we said, he started from Campo, California. He planned to hike the entire PCT from the border up to Canada. David was one of almost 4,000 people who got permits from the Pacific Crest Trail Association to hike the entire route in 2017. The association is a nonprofit that helps maintain the trail, provides information, and issues long-distance permits, but does not keep track of hikers along the way or take responsibility for their safety. So David wrote on uh, this first day in an email to his dad. You'll, we've got a pretty detailed timeline of most of the days before he goes missing through emails that he sent back to his parents. Uh, in an email to his dad, he wrote, when I, got, uh, when I got the bus into Campos or Campo, on the first day there was only two other hikers. We ended up splitting up in Campo, and I haven't seen either of them since. I hiked about six miles of the first day since. I didn't reach... Campo until about two o'clock. I passed two tents along the way. There were meant to be 50 people starting that day. So it is now March 23rd, 2017. This is the second day of his hike. In another email to uh, his dad, David wrote, I passed two other hikers on day two. The first was only hiking to Mount Laguna about 40 miles in, and she seemed to want to go on with it. So I didn't talk to her much. The other hiker was telling me about alternative routes to Idlewild but I haven't memorized everywhere I'm going. I didn't know where Idlewild was at the time. Um, <clears throat> so we are now on March 24th of 2017. It is the third day of his hike. He writes, Day three was more genuine desert. Cacti, lizards, and sand everywhere. I was starting to feel slow on day three. I only made it about 12 miles when I had planned to hike 16 I didn't see anyone hiking on the trail. The only people I saw during the day were a couple of hunters, one carrying a beer and the other carrying a rifle. Maybe don't tell mom that part. <laughs> so now it is March 24th, 2017. It's that night. He was still looking for Idlewild. I have it pulled up here for people watching. I don't think he was looking for it. He just didn't know where it was at the time. Okay. Um, so by the third night, David met another PCT hiker who had gotten as far in two days as he hiked in three. He writes, the more I talked to her, the more I realized that my bag was too heavy. 
I got my kilos and pounds mixed up when I was measuring it, he wrote to his dad. <laughs> so he pa- he overpacked and he didn't he didn't make the the pounds to kilos measurement. So it is now March 25th of 2017, which would be the fourth day of his hike. Uh, David reached Mount Laguna elevation about 6,000 feet where he got help uh, lightening his load at an outfitter. He dumped some items and replaced other equipment, including his tent, with a lighter version. Every ounce counts when you have to carry it 2,600 miles, he wrote. So um, you're pulling up Mount Laguna. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Uh, so now we're, we're going to... So he was at an outfitter up here? Uh, it just said that he... Yeah, it looks like there's buildings and stuff. Uh, maybe. It, it didn't specify. Um, he said he, he reached Mount Laguna Elevation about 6,000 feet where he got help lightening his load at an outfitter. All right. So maybe uh, there's an outfitter down there. Yes. What is that? I don't know. Secret government facility, maybe? <laughs> is that the PCT? Yeah, this is Mount Laguna. Yeah. I'm trying to see if they'll give me street view. Uh, I can't get up no. to where that building is. Oh, so they have street view on the PCT. Yeah. That's cool. Remember Google had those backpacks people were doing trails with? Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's a road, though. Yeah, this is a road. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's now March 26th uh, through March 28th. This would be the 5th through 7th day. Uh, after dropping about 12 pounds of gear, David writes, I've been flying ever since uh, in an email to his dad. He covered about 35 miles in three days before stopping in the town of Julian, about five miles off the trail, he said. He, ended, he wrote, I think I can do at least 18 a day now without pushing myself too hard. So, Joe, what did you say that some of the elite hikers, they do 30 in a day? 30 a day for Two or three months. So they're almost doubling up his pace at 18, which is yeah. pretty aggressive for someone who's a novice. Yeah. Um, so you got Julian pulled up. Yeah, you know what I've heard too? Um, and there was a guy who did a, like a marathon a day around the UK. I think I heard it on a Rogan episode. But it was somebody who had, it was kind of like one of those people who had no business, maybe had run a marathon before. So that's not yeah. like somebody out of shape entirely. But what they had said is after, you know, like the first week was horrible. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he got in this rhythm where his body was like just simply capable of doing it. Yeah. Interesting. So I wonder if you just got to like break through this, this thing where you can't even think about how does somebody walk 30 miles a day minimum Yeah, with weight on the back through the mountains or the desert or it's not just flat road. Yeah. But I think if you just start doing it. <laughs> I mean, humans have amazing ability to just adapt to their situation. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing this for long enough, you just, it just becomes normal. Yep. Uh, All right, so we are fast-forwarding now to March 29th of 2017. This would be his eighth day. David took a day off from hiking to rest and enjoy Julian, which was at an elevation of about 4,226 feet. He wrote an email to his family. It's really nice. Every business here is locally owned. There's a cafe here that offers a slice of apple pie that weighs a whole one pound. I haven't tried it. I still eat normal amounts. This is a very tiny town. Look at this. Like, this is, like, the whole main town. Yeah. There's, like, the school outside here, but when you zoom out, it's... That's kind of funny, his comment about a slice of pie being a whole pound. I guess being from Ireland and from Europe in general... He's um, not accustomed to our he's plate He's not sizes. accustomed to Americans just eat a ton of food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it shows. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> it does. Um all right, so now it is March. What we're going to do March 30th to April 2nd, which would be days 9 through 12. 
Uh, David returned to the trail at miles 77 and continued north, covering roughly 70 miles over the next four days. He would have passed through the town of Warner Springs and portions of the Cleveland National Forest and Anza Borrego uh, Desert State Park, where the trail's elevation tops at 5,500 feet. Another hiker, Daniel Windsor, who was on the trail at the same time as David and who blogged about his trek, described a storm uh, the night of March 31st that unleashed winds so strong they partially collapsed his tent and caused the rain to fall sideways. So safe to assume that David was probably hiking through some pretty nasty weather, can't trying to sleep through it uh, on the night of, or in between March 30th through April 2nd. So it is now April 3rd, 2017. This is the 13th day of his hike on the PCT. David stopped for lunch at a popular Paradise Valley Cafe in Anza, about a mile off the trail, which is at an elevation of about 4,700 feet. The same PCT hiker, Daniel Windsor, blogged about eating with the badly sunburnt Dave from Ireland and seeing him catch a ride from the restaurant back to the trail. He'd hiked just over 150 miles by this point. So this is one of the things we talked about uh, when you're hiking in elevation or obviously desert. Yeah, he didn't cover his skin. Uh, didn't cover his skin uh, or and wasn't wearing sunscreen. But if you're sweating a lot, that sunscreen will burn off you pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, that's why you just got to cover your skin. Yeah. So Daniel Windsor in an interview said, uh, in an interview after David's disappearance said, David's incredibly bad sunburn is one thing that stands out in his memory and that how unprepared he seemed. So um, this guy who I was on his blog, he's got some pretty cool pictures from his hike um he made the comment about how just not talking to him that just kind of looking at him that he seemed unprepared so it's just an interesting observation yeah we've seen all those people on the trail yeah i mean i've seen people hiking in sandals and flip-flops well even the people that might have all the stuff yeah but a you can tell the stuff is new yeah (laughs) like you can tell that they so it doesn't mean they're inexperienced but typically like i haven't bought a new bag in years i Uh, but still have my original bag i use yeah and you can just tell by how they carry themselves that they haven't done it yeah (laughs) so uh uh, Windsor goes on to say, I got, uh, I got kind of a general feeling he was kind of getting slapped around by being out on the trail, Windsor said. That's probably why I was trying to push him towards not trying anything he was not prepared for. Uh, Windsor felt like David had romanticized the PCT as a place to escape. Despite the rough reality, though, he said David's spirits were high. He writes, he didn't give any hints he wanted to quit or escape the trail, Windsor said. He wasn't miserable. So I think this is a good window into his mindset. I think when we get into theories, we can, you know, we can say yeah. that, you know. He, he made w- it pretty far. I mean, here's the border. Yeah. So it was around here, basically. There's Mount Laguna. So he's he's done quite a bit of hiking. That's, you know, more than I've ever hiked in one in, in one trip. trip. Yeah, in one trip. I mean, for any other backcountry hike, <laughs> that how would... how much farther he has to go. He's not even out of Southern California. Oh, my God. But, yeah. So I, like, want to do this, but look at that. He he did 150 miles of a 2,600-mile right trail. Yeah, he's, like, 1,30th of it, maybe. <laughs> and that's the funny, like, not funny part, but the amazing part is any other backcountry hike, that would be amazing. 150 yeah. miles in one trip. Yeah. But for the PCT, that's like nothing. Yeah, most I've done is like 65 miles. Over several, like a week or... 
uh, like four or five days. Yeah. But like that was gru- that was Grueling. gruesome. Yeah. Like this is doing twice that speed every day for two to three months for the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would not be the fastest. No. God. It would probably take me the full five months. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's fast forward to, um, it's April 3rd to April 5th, which would be day 13 through 15 on David's hike. From Anza, David began to climb into the San Jacinto Mountains. Because of a wildfire four years earlier, a stretch of the PCT was closed just after mile 166, an elevation of about 6,000 feet. It's unknown what exact route uh, David took into Idlewild, but he arrived in town on April 5th. So an interesting thing when I was doing my research was there was a massive forest fire in this area back at this time period. And it took them several years to repair the trail so that people could start hiking it again. It was closed for an extended period of time. It's weird that a fire would make the trail unwalkable. I wonder like what that is because I I usually assume that the fire coming through would actually clear stuff. We've been through the forest fire areas in Montana and they're open. Yeah, and I mean, so I was, it must have been so bad that for whatever I reason, I was in Yosemite and saw a lot of uh, areas that were burned. So I don't know exactly why they were closed, but hmm. yeah, it was closed because they were repairing the the trails. So. Oh, maybe they just, we had so much work they just diverted people around it. Yeah. So all right, so it's April fifth, twenty seventeen. Now, like I said, he just arrived in a town. He'd been hiking for two and a half weeks when he found himself in Idlewild, a small mountain town at the foot of the San Jacinto Mountain. Idlewild is a popular holiday spot, so he rented a room for two nights at the Idlewild Inn. Uh, He had been waiting for an adapter for his Kindle to arrive at the post office and was considering waiting until it opened um, the next day before setting off on his trip, but he was concerned that it may interfere with his schedule. It is not known whether he tried to pick up the adapter or not, but it is certain he never received it as it ended up back at the retailer. An email he sent on that very same morning would be the last communication he ever made. So uh, it's now April 6th, 2017 in the evening. David sent an email to his uh, family back in Ireland. He wrote, Idlewild is a great town to stay in for the day. The restaurants are tasty and cheap. Everyone's super friendly. Um, he had told his parents in an email the next day. Uh, he also wrote uh, from the Idlewild Library that he was taking the day off uh, to rest and do chores, such as resupplying his food and trying to get an adapter from Amazon so he could charge his tablet. Uh, on a trip to the post office, he signed the PCT trail register. He also messaged with a friend he planned to meet in Santa Barbara in about four weeks. He finally mentioned in the email that if his adapter hadn't arrived on April 6th, he might have to wait at the post office, like I said. Uh, This, and like I said before, this would be the last time the family would ever hear from him. So it is now the morning of April 7th, 2017. David checks out of the motel. Um, And this is the really interesting part. So he, like we said earlier, he had planned to maybe skip this section or he, he planned to skip the Sierra Nevada section if the weather was too bad. But I don't know that he he knew the conditions in the San Jacinto Mountains were actually still pretty dangerous around this time. And a lot of comments online and Reddit and a lot of people say most of the problems on the PCT as far as injuries and deaths seem to happen in the San Jacinto Mountain area. Really? So it might just be that 
they're prone to whatever the terrain is that's causing all these bad issues. Terrain, weather. But I actually have some trail reports from before he would have uh, attempted to go through there, and probably a few days after. So, one trail report is from March 30th of 2017, and another trail report is from April 11th, 2017. And this is actually a really cool website. There's a guy who lives out there, and he just hikes all over. And then writes down these trail conditions on his website. Just all the time. All the time. I have a wow. link in our show notes. I'll show you after. That's the, awesome. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. So like I said, it's unclear if David continued through the San Jacinto Mountains or attempted another route. But based on his previous emails, it seems like he may have continued the PCT. So this is a trail report from March 30th of 2017. Snow along almost entire trail from Saddle Junction to Fuller Ridge Campground. In many areas, snow is one to three feet deep with deeper drifts, largely clear around Strawberry, I'm going to butcher this, Sienga and Strawberry Junction. Many clear sections on Angel's Glide, Saddle Junction north to 9,000 feet crest. Note that almost all PCT trail posts above 8,000 feet and some junction signs are completely hidden under snow drifts, making navigation difficult. Uh, So now we have a, so this would have been the trail conditions from before he would have hit this part of the PCT. So now we have a trail condition report from April 11th, which presumably would have been what the trail was like after he would have already gone through there. Uh, So the trail report uh, goes on to say, snow along parts of the trail from Saddle Junction to Fuller Ridge Campground, largely clear from Saddle Junction to 9,000 foot crest, then continuous snow to State Park Boundary at Annie's Junction, clear from near that junction past Strawberry, uh, to Strawberry Junction, snow patches increasingly frequent from uh, north from Strawberry Junction, then snow largely continuous, one to three feet until Fuller Ridge Trail. Uh, turning many PCT trail posts above 8,000 feet remain hidden under snowdrifts, making navigation somewhat difficult. So interestingly enough, uh, Joe, at the, in this time period, there were four other hikers that had to be rescued in March and April around this time period, according to the Riverside Mountain Rescue Unit. All from that area. All from that area, a volunteer okay. group that often assists. I, the I'm not going to say anything. The local sheriff's <laughs> I'll department. Save it. One was a PCT hiker who had fallen down a mountain near a campground at the northwest end of Fuller Ridge on March 30th. He'd lost all his water and his stove in the fall and had exhausted himself climbing back to the trail repeatedly, one rescuer wrote. On the way to get him, their own truck got stuck in the snow miles from the trailhead. So, the conditions in that area at the time David would have t- attempted to, you know, hike the PCT were bad, especially bad for um, someone who had no experience hiking in those kinds of conditions. Yeah. So. Um, I'm actually surprised that they're getting snow this far south. Look at that. Look at where that is. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking elevations of I know. eight, 9,000 feet. Okay. But I, yeah. Okay. So, um, so now we're going to, so like we said, David's missing. Um, no one really knows what happened to him. It's now May, 2017. So we're going to kind of, we're going to get some quotes from his parents. Um, his mom, uh, whose name is Carmel O'Sullivan wrote, he had told us prior to leaving that he could have difficulty in keeping in touch on a regular basis and not to worry. His mother said, She goes on to say, we unfortunately took this to mean that weeks could pass without news. But by this time, so May 2017, his family began to get worried. 
They contacted police in Ireland and took to Facebook to ask if other PCT hikers had seen him. They also reached out to his bank and were told that his account was still active according to his mother. The family uneasily went back to waiting for him to email. But the bank information turned out to be incorrect. The activity they saw was from scheduled payments and in reality had made no transactions since he was in Idlewild. So... Um, interesting. Oh, that's too bad. Interesting bit of information there. So this is Fuller Ridge. Okay. Yeah, there's some snow. And there's there. snow. Yeah. Yep. And then look off in the desert. <laughs> I know. That I mean, I when we were in Hawaii on the top of Mauna Loa, we had uh, snow. Really? Not a ton of it, but there was snow up there. And you, when you're going to Hawaii, you don't think you're going to see snow, but it was, you know, over. 10,000 feet. Oops, I just activated no selfie mode. <laughs> That's so, funny. All right, so we're going to fast forward to June 30th of 2017 now. So his family at this point finally filed a missing persons report. So this is, he went missing on, what we say, Joe, uh, April 7th. Yeah, roughly. Was his, the last contact, and the first missing persons report was uh, filed uh, June 30th of 2017. So, a, you know, almost three months after he potentially was last seen, which is oh, not that's not a good I- situation. Not ideal. So, like I had mentioned earlier, David had arranged to meet a friend in Santa Barbara in May, but he never turned up. His parents called the PCT Association back, only to be told that they were not a babysitting service and that there was nothing they could do. So... Um, Sounds like someone had a bad day. Yeah, someone had a bad day. So after hitting a dead end with the PCT Association, his family went back to the local police and contacted the Irish consulate in San Francisco. Their lack of knowledge about jurisdictions on a different continent convoluted the process of getting David reported missing in the U.S. As an Irish, an Irish, outreach, an Irish outreach group in San Diego got involved. It's now July 13th of 2017. So someone there talked to the owner of an Irish bar in Marietta, a Riverside County city 50 miles from Idlewild, who knew a local police officer who was also Irish. That officer, Sean uh, Lawyer, Lawler, sorry, entered David O'Sullivan into the state and federal missing persons database on July 13 of 2017, the day that he was contacted and alerted the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, which has jurisdiction in Idlewild. I think we're going to add Ireland to countries that we've upset with our pronunciation issues. Yeah. (laughs) So this is uh, never good. We always say the first day or two is the most important in a missing persons case. So now we're talking, he was last seen on April 7th, and he was officially listed as a missing person on July 13th. So a lot of time has passed. And the search and rescue really didn't even get going until August because the the sheriff's department in Idle, you know, in that area, they weren't even convinced that he was in their jurisdiction. So uh, they, they, uh, yeah, like we don't know how far he traveled. Yeah, so and he was he was making decent distance. So that's yeah. a really big window. Yeah, so before the sheriff's emergency response team organized her ground search, they asked the detectives bureau to develop some better information about David's activities in Idlewild. A sheriff's investigator spoke to people at a couple of places uh, David was known to have visited, but no one remembered remembered him out of the hundreds of hikers who come through town each year. 
Another investigator contacted a water district that operates a drinking fountain where the trail reaches the desert floor after a long, steep descent out of the mountains. Almost every PCT hiker stops here, and the district has surveillance cameras set up to discourage trespassers. An image of O'Sullivan uh, could have been confirmed uh, that he'd actually make, made it out of Idlewild. The investigator asked the district employee to review the footage, but they never got a response. So the investigators are hitting a dead end here. An investigator also tried to reach Amazon to see if O'Sullivan's Kindle could be tracked, but Amazon also didn't respond. So the investigators did talk to a couple people who had thought they had seen O'Sullivan at points north of Idlewild. One was a man in his early 60s named Dennis Neal, uh, who goes by the, the trail name Trail Angel. Uh, he's someone who gives hikers things like rides, food, water, or even a place to sleep, uh, who said he helped 100 to 150 people in 2017 following uh, PCT Custom. Neil went by, oh, so he went by the nickname Hillbilly. So he went on to say that sometime between April 10th and April 15th, he remembered picking someone up at an exit along Interstate 10, which runs through the thin strip of low elevation desert that separates the San Jacinto in San Bernardino Mountains, uh, letting him uh, letting him rest at his home for a few hours and then driving him back, according to the sheriff's report. The person kept to himself, but Neil remembered the accent and told investigators he didn't meet any Irish people on the trail. So, Kathy Tarr... Th- they think that was him? Um, th- they, you know, people think it might have been him. They think the guy who goes by Hillbilly may have misremembered. Um, okay. So, uh, a woman named by goes by the name of Kathy Tarr, who is leading an ongoing volunteer effort uh, to find David. At the time, spoke to Neil before he died, uh, which he died in June 2018, and she thinks he was confused. She noted that there were people from 31 countries on the PCT that year, and ac- accents could easily be mistaken. She's also collected a small photo gallery of 2017 hikers who look remarkably similar to David. She even has a picture that someone thought was uh, O'Sullivan with Neil, but the people in the photo are neither O'Sullivan or Neil. But Tara's team actually did make some headway in the investigation that the sheriff didn't. So they did tie up some loose ends. So Tara got in touch with Amazon and found that David's Kindle was last used April 5th, and it didn't have a GPS app, so it couldn't be tracked. The team also learned that the Desert Water Agency didn't have any photos of, from the water fountain, Tar said. So in late July and early August of 2017, the Riverside Mountain Rescue Unit uh, volunteer group scouted a few areas ahead of a large-scale air and ground search that was going to happen in August. So let's fast forward now. It is uh, August 12th of 2017. So the sheriff's department initiated a large air and ground search operation that encompassed almost 20-mile stretch of the PCT from Fuller Ridge, which Joe showed on the, the screen here, a treacherous section that was still covered in snow and ice while David was there, to the Riverside County line in the desert just north of I-10. Despite the use of helicopters, dogs, ATVs, the search and rescue team came up with nothing. And with no evidence of foul play, there, is, there was little in the way of official investigation after that point. Now... This we've seen in a lot of different uh, cases. You know, family and friends always say that, um, you know, sometimes they complain that search and rescue didn't do enough to try and search for their loved ones. And 
Um, it wasn't any different in this case. Uh, family and friends complained that they felt local law enforcement didn't spend enough time looking for David, but local residents of Idlewild say it's not that uncommon. So longtime Idlewild resident John King, who's a prolific, hire and, uh, prolific hiker and a volunteer ranger with the search and rescue experience, uh, who also had helped during uh, David's search, said, it sounds pretty typical that local authorities would call off a search after a few unsuccessful days. He goes on to say, if they can't find someone not alive and can't find them straight away by getting a ping off a cell phone or a GPS point, then the sheriff's department just gives up really quickly, he said. In David's case, when officials knew they were not looking for a live person in danger, King, King called the search superficial at best. So I think in this case, uh, the family may have had, uh, you know, their their anger or their, you know, frustration that the search ended too soon may have had some weight behind it based on, you know, what the local resident has said. But I can also see it from the law enforcement side. Yeah, uh, they have like a huge window of time. Yeah, you went missing early April. He officially was reported missing middle of July. Well, and it doesn't mean that he was missing in early April. That's the yeah. thing. It's he just didn't write any letters or anything like yeah. that. So maybe, you know, speculation could say he went missing right away because he was communicating so much. Yeah. But if he had just told them that there might be times where he doesn't communicate for a while. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, and obviously this isn't how all agencies treat recovery efforts. Um, it really, you know, obviously with this sheriff's department, they're probably dealing with so many different with how many people are coming through that area every year. Well, into the crime in Southern California. We hear about that all the time. Yeah. So like, um, oops, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, their resources are probably stretched extremely thin. So, you know, like you said, it, it's like three and a half months, four months since when he was last seen, they're going to look, you know, like maybe they'll get lucky and a helicopter will pick something up or maybe they'll find remains, but they can't keep searching out there yeah. every day. And and it does happen sometimes where searchers will get injured or killed in a search, so they got to be careful with, you know, their crew, uh, especially if the conditions are still pretty bad. So, um, and then, you know, after this point, there were several hikers that called in eyewitness statements thinking they may have seen David at some point on the trail. But none of these sightings uh, have been positively ID'd. Uh, there was <laughs> there was one German guy who bared a striking resemblance to David on the trail, and it's possible that some people may have gotten confused uh, seeing him. So let's fast forward to August or October twelfth of twenty seventeen. This is when law enforcement officially closed the case. So at the, so they they wrote um, in a post. At this time, there's no additional investigation, investigative leads. Investigator wrote in a report dated October 12, 2017. He goes on to say, no additional information has been received that would show O'Sullivan was in fact lost or missing along portions of the PCT within the department's jurisdiction or prove that O'Sullivan was in the Idlewild area. This case will be closed exceptional until further information is developed. Now, I was curious what exceptional meant. Yeah, it seems like it would be a typo. And so in a criminal case, closed exceptional means police believe they know who committed the crime, but some circumstance, for instance, the suspect dies, a victim won't cooperate, or prosecutors decline a case, prevents them from closing the case through an arrest. 
Sheriff's officials wouldn't explain what the phrase means in a non-criminal missing person case. So that's weird. It is a weird, uh, closed, exceptional. Hope if someone's listening, that's an investigator who works in law enforcement. Let us know what this guy might have meant by saying closed, exceptional. So, like I said, investigators were not completely convinced that David had gone missing in their jurisdiction due to the amount of time between last contact and when he was reported missing. The next jurisdiction north is San Bernardino County. The sheriff's department there never conducted any searches for O'Sullivan. A spokesperson said that was due. Uh, that was because the information they had received said that O'Sullivan was lost, last known in the location of Idlewild. So they're like, we're not going to search. He wasn't up in San Bernardino, but he could have made it that far. But so they didn't search. Uh, then just days after the case was closed, his parents, Carmel and Khan O'Sullivan, arrived for their first of three trips from Ireland. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department put on a presentation to show what they had done. Uh, Carmel said, they go on to say that was it. They said he might be found sometime in the next X number of years, possibly never. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. It's, they're a little jerks. Say, yeah. I mean, they like no sympathy or that's kind of a, this is the first time we've dealt with when we've heard this type of reaction. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because they're not Americans. They're from, you know, a foreign country, but um, still, but still, yeah. The, these parents are reeling from their son going missing. Um, she goes on to say, or they, they, their second visit was in December. Only one detective met with them. No one was rude. Carmel said, but the O'Sullivan's felt encouraged to leave. <laughs> so, uh, they did tell them that if they were ever out there training, they would keep, uh, David in mind. So last little bit of the timeline here, uh, we're going to December of 2017. So in December of 2017, an aerial survey was con conducted over Idlewild. The pilot Gus Calderon and a mission specialist, Richard McCrate, overflew 88 square miles of both mountain face and deep desert, taking over a 1,000 photographs of the ground below. Volunteers analyzed those images in detail, looking for signs of David's blue backpack. Gus and Richard used software supplied by Aeroscientific to conduct the survey. Aeroscientific's flight planning software, flight planner, and management system, Aviatrix, were used to plan the flight runs over the Idlewild and manage the camera system throughout the flight. The area survey, survey successfully acquired 1,235 color images of the area at 4-inch resolution. That's pretty darn good. That is pretty darn good. Uh, on a regular basis, volunteers largely from San Diego's Irish community still scour the mountain on foot and on horses looking for any signs of David. Drones have been flown over grid by grid while people on the ground examine thousands of images for any clues. So, um, sadly... Uh, to this day, no, you know, five, what is it, 2017, five years later, no evidence or signs of David have ever been found. So jumping right into theories here, Joe, I'll quickly go through what I think are the possible uh, things that happened. Obviously, I think number one on my list is he decided to try the PCT through that area. Uh, with the bad weather, the high snow, no, a lot of the, the signs were covered in snow and he didn't have a GPS on him. He didn't have a very good ability to track his location and he got lost and succumbed to the elements or fell in those conditions. Um, if he had made it out of that area, he would have descended into the Mojave desert area. 
So I think a second um, real possibility is dehydration. Once he got into the desert area, maybe he was trying to find one of those water caches and it was empty. And cash, cash. You always say cache. I know, like quiche, quiche, cache, water cache. Um, so I don't, I don't think foul play, though. I mean, it's always possible. I think there's so many people hiking the PCT. There's only been, I can't remember exactly how far back, but there's only been twelve murders on the PCT going back. Yeah, decades. I did that one. Yeah, and. Um, if you think about how many people hike it, like through hike it, and that's not even counting all of the other people that are, you know, hiking on yeah, and off section of it. hiking and people who are just in the national like parks in that the are national around park it. and hit it. That is a pretty low number. So could something have happened to him? Yeah. Um, you know, wasn't an animal attack. The only real, you know, black bears. I don't know if this part of the area, the, the PCT even has black bears. It may, it may not. I don't think we should even speculate. Yeah, we're not going to speculate. We don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think probably accident weather-related and his lack of experience probably really hindered him. I don't know. What do you think? I'm 50-50. I, I want to think that there's a criminal element when he was in one of the towns. Yeah. But I feel like it'd be more likely they would, like, find a body or something like that. Yeah. And that's why I'd say it's 50% that. Otherwise, 50%, he got lost in the trail. Either going down the snow, uh, misnavigating, doing something wrong. That's that's going to be my my two best guesses. I think 50% foul play, 50% got lost in the trail. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to go foul play. I'm not riding that train. But all right, all right. I, think, I think this one's an accident is very likely or exposure due to the cold. And just in a really low-traveled area, and unfortunately... Well, and maybe, you know, being that he wasn't very experienced, and maybe some of the more experienced PCT hikers knew the conditions were bad, so they waited or they went around. Yeah. Um, But he knew to do this in the Sierra Nevadas. I just don't know that he he thought this part was going to be that bad. Um, And, you know, maybe he made it out of there, and, and the reason why they didn't find him in the search was because he was out of this jurisdiction. And he made it into San Bernardino uh, County and perished in the desert. Yeah, um, maybe. But, yeah, it's uh, you got to think that he there's enough people hiking this area that his remains will be found at some point. I hope so, but I also just think, too, 99 Palms and Joshua Tree, where yeah. that was a very short path, and it took them years to find... To find uh, that guy, yeah. So I'm, you're you're in a more potentially way more remote spot. And if all the signs are covered up, at, you know, up in the mountains, and he doesn't yeah. know where he's going, he could have easily just walked off trail. Yeah. And yeah, inexperienced, you just don't know. And this area is probably not. You know, I'm speculating now, but I'm guessing, like the San Jacinto Mountains with the PCT running through it, it's probably not a big area where people, you know, backcountry hike off the trail. You probably just have a ton of people going up and down the PCT. Yeah. So if he mistakenly walked off the trail and perished, um, he may never be found by another hiker. And yeah, I don't know. I, you know, maybe foul play, maybe aliens, maybe Bigfoot. 
We'll get into Bigfoot. I've never heard about Bigfoot down here. No. That's not his habitat. Chupacabra. Yeah, Chupacabra. 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 That's Arizona, I think. Uh, And Mexico. Oh. Um, Border towns. Yeah, I'm still, I'm 50-50. I can't decide. I think, you know, he was uh, green enough that he could have made a mistake. Yeah. uh, But he was still in a populated area enough where it could be fall. Well, I think four other hikers had to be rescued in this time period. That's what leans me more towards that too. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's really unfortunate. I hope uh, they get their closure. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have anything to add? I, I, I don't really, I, I, um, yeah, I, I was trying to think of, I don't know. What's your off the deep end off the deep end. Um, I don't know. I didn't even, I wasn't even, see that this is a weird, this is one of those weird ones where it just doesn't seem like anything really fits. But I'm not getting. I'm not getting that. There's nothing crazy. Like I have no clue what would have happened. Like he yeah. was trying to hike through an alpine trail in bad conditions, potentially. And yeah, it it's green. It's more just make sure you're prepared when you're doing this stuff. I think that's kind of like the the takeaway from all this. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also now have the YouTube channel rolling where you can see the videos of the things we're talking about that we're showing if you're just listening. Yes. And if you want to support us monetarily, you can now do it through YouTube subscriptions or our Patreon account. For a small amount of money, you will have access to all of our content plus bonus content that you can only get through those two channels and as well as some swag if you stay a member for quite some time. If you want to support the show monetarily outside of that, you can visit our Facebook store or on our website to buy the cool swag, hats, buttons, stickers, uh, magnets, all the things. Uh, And just remember when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.